Amen and amen. If you've got a Bible, turn with me to John chapter 8. John chapter 8, we're continuing our series uh, entitled, He Is, looking at the uh, person and the character of Jesus Christ, the one whom uh, showed us that amazing grace. By the way, man, if you are thankful for the amazing grace of God, shout amen, church. Amen. Amen. I'm thankful for it as well. And hey, if you hadn't experienced his grace, hey, it's available. All you got to do is call on his name and you can receive that gift of uh, grace. And so uh, we're going to be talking about that uh, this morning in this story uh, in John chapter eight. Uh, we're going to start actually um, at the uh, uh, in the last verse of John chapter seven, uh, verse 53. Uh, last week, we highlighted uh, all of John six. We're really focused on verses one through 15. Uh, and talked about how Jesus is our a great way maker, right? Uh, like that song, way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, man. He is able to make a way for uh, us. Um, and he did there on the mountain. Uh, and then uh, John chapter 7, you see uh, throughout that chapter, uh, folks still trying to figure out who this Jesus is, right? Uh, there is uh, some controversy, some debate between who he is. Some people think he's a real good prophet. Uh, some people think he's a teacher. Some people think, and we'll see uh, later on here in John chapter 8, they think that, you know, he's a, a, a pawn of Satan, if you will, right? Uh, uh, there's a whole bunch of confusion um, about who he is. But uh, Jesus, man, looks to clear it up, right, as he continues on his ministry, uh, that he is the way, uh, the truth, and uh, the life. He's more than just some kind of teacher, right? He's more than, a hey, just somebody that we uh, uh, choose to... Uh, worship on a couple of days during the week. No, no, no. He's uh, one who's worthy of our whole life because he is uh, God. Uh, he's God. And he came, man, to die so that we could uh, live. Uh, and we see um, who he is here at the end of John chapter 7. Uh, and so we'll read, starting in verse 53 of John chapter 7, and we're going to read through uh, chapter 8, verse 11. And so if you're there, let me know that you're there by saying there. And if you don't have a word with it, it's all good. The verses will be on the screen. You can follow along uh, a uh, story that, uh, man, is powerful. I'm about uh, speaking to this grace um, that comes from the Lord. And so verse 53, it says this. Uh, they went each to his own house, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning, he came again to the temple where he was, where they were uh, talking about uh, uh, the debates on who Jesus was. He went back to the temple that next day. It says all the people came to him and he sat down and taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, they brought a woman who had been caught in adultery. And placing her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now, in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. So what do you say? This they said ultimately to test him that they might have some charge to bring against him. You see Jesus in his response. He bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and rode on the ground. But when they had heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. 
And Jesus stood up and said to her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. Man, amazing grace shown to this woman here. It's been said like this before, uh, Brother Nick. It's been said like this. Hey, the sound of grace were those stones hitting the ground as the religious leaders walked away one by one. And conveniently enough, that's what I've entitled the sermon today. Hey, the sound of grace. The sound of grace. Why don't we pray together one more time? Lord God, we love you. God, we brag about you today. Boast about uh, your goodness, God, your faithfulness, your love for us. Lord, I ask this morning that you would meet with us here. God, I pray for the child of God in here, that you would remind them of the grace that they have received, Lord, and how it has changed their life. And God, I pray as a result that they would look to exhibit that same grace to others. I pray for the one in here who has yet to come to know you, Lord, that God has never received this gift of grace. I pray that they would choose to, by responding to the gospel, Lord, draw them to yourself today. God, meet us where we are at this moment, Lord. And I pray that we would be a people that leave differently than the way we came because of your grace. Lord God, we love you. We thank you. And we ask these things all in your gracious and heavenly name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. The sound of grace. Man, I'm so thankful for amazing grace. Let me just uh, remind you right of the definition of grace, right? Grace, uh, literally, the definition of it is uh, unmerited favor, right? A gift that is given to us that we do not deserve by any means. Right. And and, uh, there are multiple ways that we experience grace or receive uh, grace, if you will, every single day. I'm uh, reminded of one time where I experienced grace in a great way uh, just a couple of weeks ago. I was uh, on a Saturday uh, speaking at a a small house church here in the community and and was looking to get something to eat before I went over there. So I found a place close to uh, the house I was going to. All right, a place called Tropical Smoothie Cafe. They just opened a new one on Wilma Rudolph. Real good. They had one on Madison. I've had it before. It's great. Well, I walk in and sit down, look to order something, Brother Christian. And I I find out that it is uh, the grand opening weekend of the place there. And so I sit there and I notice folks are in training, this and that. And then I notice that there's a wheel that is set up right by the cash register. And I got there right at uh, the top of the hour. And so the manager came out and uh, and said, hey, you know, I'm going to spin this wheel and whatever uh, it lands on. Right. uh, Since you're in the lobby at this time, hey, you're going to receive a gift. And so it had all kinds of stuff, you know, a a hat, you know, a Frisbee, a backpack of some sort. Right. Uh, And so she spun it and it just so happened, Brother Dan, to land on free smoothies for a whole year. And so I'm thinking, man, look at God. He came through. He came through. I, I'm sitting there. I'm sitting there in that lobby. I'm thinking, wait a second. So, so we win free smoothies for years. She's like, yeah, it's the first time it's landed on it all weekend. Y'all, y'all get it. And so 
I said, I don't have to do anything. Do you want me to try and spin the wheel again? Do you want me to do dishes after? Is there something I can do? She's like, no. No, yeah, you win free smoothies for a year. And so, hey, just because I just was at the right place at the right time, man, end up getting free smoothies for a year. And, hey, by the way, I used one of them up just yesterday, and I was was singing and shouting on my way back to the house as a result. Grace. Right, hey, receiving, man, what we do not deserve. See, what we do not deserve. And we see here, right in John chapter 8, a a woman, right, who deserved death. The religious leaders were right in saying that, hey, she deserved death, according to Deuteronomy. Hey, if someone was caught in the act of adultery, man, hey, the grounds was for to kill them, to stone them. She deserved that. But we see Jesus, hey, give her a gift that she didn't deserve. By letting her walk away and live differently than the way she came. And the sound of grace. Man, we see Jesus exhibit grace, man, to not just the woman, but to a couple of folks here in the text, including the woman. Right. I want to highlight the ways that he showed that grace and, you know, in turn, man, encourage us to see that, man, he's shown us plenty of grace in our life. I want to highlight the first group of people that Jesus showed grace to, right? Uh, and this is the first point. Jesus, right, uh, showed grace, or grace is shown to the religious leaders. Religious leaders. Obviously, the story is about the woman being shown grace, but, but think about it for a second, man. Jesus showed grace to the religious elite, these folks that were there at that time, man. Think about it. He could have, hey, he could have responded any other way. These folks at the time, man, were getting on Jesus' nerves, annoying them. If you will. He loved them, right? He's the son of God, but man, he's getting on the nerve. Imagine that. Imagine going about your day, doing your thing, healing folks, providing for folks, doing miracles beyond measure. Only way to explain it is God. And you've got religious leaders, right? Indignant. Hey, the folks closest, supposedly closest to God, ignorant, indignant, telling you that, hey, you're actually a pawn of the devil. That was what was happening. In this time, but yet, hey, in the midst of that, Jesus, man, showed them grace. Say, how did he show them grace? Right. We see grace was shown to these folks despite their ill will toward Christ. Grace was shown despite their ill will towards Christ. It says here in the text that, man, the religious leaders, the purpose of bringing this woman was to try and trap Jesus. Try and trap him. Because, hey, if Jesus said, hey, don't stone her right then and there, then, hey, he wasn't following the law, man. He wasn't who he said he was. Hey, if Jesus decided to say to stone her, then what would have happened was that the people would have said, hey, man, th- hey, this dude, this dude's a murderer, man. Not right. They, their purpose of bringing the woman was to try and trap Jesus, try and trap him. As one commentary puts it, right, the deeper motive among these men was to trap Jesus. Their strategy in, included trapping the woman and him. Perhaps entrapment characterizes a good portion of their religious effort. They were the religious police. And here in Jesus, they seem to have found a man who bends the rules. They were trying to get Jesus to show his colors. Yet he, man, decided to choose to show grace anyways. Man. Those made fun of him. And even those picked, hey, he decided to show grace. Look, look at what it says in First Peter 2. Verse 22 through 24, man, speaking to this Jesus and his response here. Peter says it like this. Hey, Jesus, he committed no sin. Neither was deceit found in his mouth. 
when he was reviled, which was his whole, his whole ministry by these religious leaders. When he was reviled, made fun of him, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body and on that tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. And by his wounds, we are healed. Man, Jesus showed grace, man, even in the midst of those religious leaders, their ill will toward him. Hey, and can I be honest with you? A lot of us, man, hey, we find ourselves in the same place. Hey, don't, hey, don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about. There's seasons of life, man, where we, we have ill will toward him. Hey, God, why did you let that happen? God, where are you? What are you doing? Hey, God, you tell me to go this way, but hey, I know better, man. Let me go my own way. And hey, aren't you glad that even in the midst of it, he doesn't strike us dead? Man, hey, he allows us to continue to walk in him. Hey, comforts us like a loving shepherd. Encourages us. Man, he showed grace to these folks, hey, despite their ill will towards him. But secondly, we see this. We see grace was shown despite their incivility toward the woman. Despite their incivility toward the woman. You may say, Pastor, or maybe you're like me, say, hey, what does incivility mean? I'll be honest with you. I needed to find another eye for the alliteration's sake. And so I went, I went on, you know, dictionary.com to find me an eye that matched. Just being honest with you. But incivility, it, it, it literally means rude, insolent, right? A, a, a jerk. Jerk. These religious leaders, man, they didn't care one iota about this woman again they were just trying to trap jesus number one but also hey because they were the religious police right hey they were trying to get a woman hey to get what she justly deserved imagine that man bringing her out in the midst of her shame in front of god and everybody at the temple to be judged hey despite that man jesus chose to show these men grace in saying that hey he who is without sin cast the first stone. Think about it. Again, hey, John, he's, he's the son of God, man. He could have done whatever. At that moment, he could have just revealed all the sins of the people, that, all the sins of those religious leaders that were there in front of God and everybody. He could have struck them dead out of annoyance to them in righteous anger. But it said, man, hey, he who is without sin cast the first stone, man. That's grace exhibited there man even though these religious nuts were being ridiculous man jesus showed them grace anyway and allowing them to walk away man though they were totally out of order here man jesus showed them grace man show them grace and he does that in our life man does that in our life as well now now hear me don't don't hear me say here right that Jesus was excusing the sin of this woman. Don't hear me say here that, hey, man, hey, we need to compromise, you know, truth. Don't hear me say any of that here. It's not what Jesus was saying. No, see, not what he was saying. What he was saying in his demonstration in this context here was, was this. That the religious leaders, right, they knew the truth, but they compromised how they treated people, right, for the sake of truth. I believe I'll say that again. They, the religious people, man, they, they knew what the truth was. But they chose to compromise how they treated people for the sake of, quote unquote, truth. Casting people aside. Hey, being the religious police and condemning them. 
Hey, there, there's a way, right, that we can be folks that are gracious with people, all the while, man, sharing the truth with them. There's a way that that can happen. We don't have to be, hey, the, the mean, strict, jerk, religious police. That man are just living a life, man, just condemning others, man, worried about the speck in others' eye while not even caring about the log in ours. Hey, the call for us, right, as we walk with people, man, is to walk in grace and in truth. By the way, that's modeling who Jesus was. Modeling who Jesus was. John 1.14 says it like this, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of what? Grace and truth. Grace and truth. Hey, we're called to be folks that walk in grace and truth. I love quotes here from Randy Alcorn, right, that speak to uh, this reality. Uh, He says this, Truth hates sin. Grace loves sinners. Those full of grace and truth, those full of Jesus, do both. They do both. And look what he says here, this other quote. Attempts to soften the gospel by minimizing truth and keeps people from Jesus. However, attempts to toughen up the gospel by minimizing grace also keeps people from Jesus. It's not enough for us to offer grace or truth. We must choose to offer both. Choose to offer both. Man, hey, it's grace and truth. Jesus, man, wasn't casting truth aside here. And he was showing this woman grace and pointing her to the truth. And the call for us is to do the same thing. Hey, obviously, as we're sharing the gospel with people, hey, in our marriages, in our dealings with our children, those in the workplace, man, hey, it's to offer grace and truth as we converse with them. Converse with them. Titus 3, 3 through 7. I think for us... Um, who struggle to exhibit grace, we have forgotten the grace that has been shown to us. And Paul reminds Titus, man, on how we ought to treat people because of the grace that's been shown to them. He says it like this. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But God, but when the goodness... And loving kindness of God our Savior appeared. He saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. So that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs excuse me, according to the hope of eternal life. Man, hey, we show Grace, because we've been shown grace. Hey, grace and truth, man, are not mutually exclusive. Man, the call for us is to show both. Show both. We see grace, man, was shown to the religious leaders, man. Even though they didn't deserve it, man. Man, Jesus showed them grace. But secondly, uh, here. We see that grace was shown to the adulterous woman. 
after the religious leaders dropped the stones and walked away, the attention was shifted to the adulterous woman here in uh, the passage. And by the way, I'll throw this in free of charge, right? Whenever uh, Jesus said, hey, who's without sin cast the first stone, right? They began walking out one by one. A lot of scholars believe that, hey, it started from the oldest person walking out to the youngest, i.e. the most esteemed person. Hey the, the, hey, the most put-together religious person walked out first. Man. Because even he, man, was one that struggled with sin. And then we see Jesus interact with this woman. And in the midst of the conversation, he showed his amazing grace to her. She didn't deserve it, but he showed his amazing grace to her. How did he show his grace? Right, we see that her transgression was forgiven. Jesus says, hey, is there anybody here to condemn you? And the woman said, no one, Lord. And he said, neither do I. Man, the good news is, hey, the Jesus that we follow, right, and serve, man, he has the power to forgive sins. Man, He had the power to forgive sins because he was God and he was going to the cross to make that reality possible, man. Her sin was forgiven. She got something that she didn't deserve, man. Forgiveness. And because of his grace. Because of his grace. Man, her transgression had been forgiven. I love uh, this quote uh, pertaining to grace here and forgiveness. It says, grace is the overflowing cup of God's goodness. Poured out on us abundantly beyond what we could ever imagine. Her transgression forgiven. Hey, that's that can be a possibility for you in here today if you've never chosen to turn from your sin and trust in Christ. But maybe you have. Majority of us in here say we have been forever forgiven, man. We have been. But I think the reality is, man, hey, we tend to forget a lot of times what we've been forgiven for. Hey, we tend to forget the reality that we have been forgiven. And so those times when we stumble. Right, we choose to, man, sit in that pit that we stumbled into, man, wallowing in shame and regret. Hey, those times, man, hey, we're, we're, uh, we're not walking so closely to the Lord. Right, the Lord brings back the past and what we've been forgiven from and, and holds us in bondage <laughs> to that. And we're unable to live to serve him more. Man, can I just remind you, man, hey, if you know Jesus, you have been forgiven. Hey, your sins have been forgiven as far as the east is from the west. And you can walk in that forgiveness. Walk in that forgiveness. Here's some scriptures for us in those times when we struggle with shame and guilt being forgiven. Psalm 32, 1 says this, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Man, praise be to the one. Man, how great is the one whose transgression has been forgiven. Man, what a blessing it is to be forgiven. Psalm 103, verse 10 through 13. Talks about the Lord here. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repays us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. 
As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. Man, thankful for that. Now, let me give you a couple more, man. Ephesians 1, verse 7 and 8. Look what it says. In Christ, in him, we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. And then 1 John 1, 9, something that we've got to do often, right? Because we stumble every single day. Stumble every single day, man. Hey, I, I stumbled this morning, you know. Waking up, getting ready to come to the church. Got mad about something. And even though I didn't say it out loud, man, you know, and, and this happens from time to time. I didn't think of a good holy word. So we need to run to the Lord, man, every day, single day. First John 1, 9, look what it says. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We, our fellowship can be restored to him. Man, we have been washed in the blood, just like this woman has. Let, let me say it like this, and then I'll move on to the last sub-point, and we'll be done. Hey, don't miss this. Some of you guys, yeah, are continuing to wallow, right, in, in guilt, shame, stuff from your past, right? Some of you guys are, are struggling to, to walk in the Lord, man, because, man, the enemy keeps bringing up. Stuff in your past that's keeping you from walking with him. Hey, can I, can I remind you of this? It's been said like this before. Hey, you may not be able to alter your past and what's taking place there, but hey, you can leave your past on the altar and find forgiveness there. And we see, man, this woman, this woman here, find forgiveness in the Lord, man. Her transgression for, forgiven. And then we see Secondly and lastly here, right, how the Lord, man, showed her grace. We see that her life was transformed forever. Transformed forever. If you're not careful, you'll miss this last part here. After Jesus says, hey, neither do I condemn you. He doesn't end there. Doesn't end there. He says, go, and from now on, sin no more. It doesn't just stop with, hey, you're forgiven. No, no, no. Go and live a new life. I've changed your life. Hey, by the way, a lot of folks, man, they love the forgiveness part, but they don't really like the transform part. It's a both and. Both and. Hey, when, when Jesus came to forgive our sins, man, hey, he, he gave us a new heart, transformed us. And so the call for us is to walk in that transformation. We see that her life was transformed forever, forever. Encountering Jesus always has demanded the transformation of life. The turning away from sin. Jesus wasn't telling her, hey, you, hey you're going to go and never sin again. No, no, no. No, he was telling her, hey, you are new in me, so go and sin less. <laughs> Thank you, Brother Dwayne. <laughs> go and sin less. Go and sin less. Hey, her life is forever transformed, man. Hey, we are new in him. Man, hey, whenever I came to faith in Jesus on the Disciple Now weekend, 2009, 16 years old, Man, hey, my life has been totally different ever since. Hey, I, I may not be perfect, but hey, I, I desire the things of the Lord now. I'm, I'm new. I'm different. And the same thing, hey, the same thing's got to be said about you, man. Is your life different since coming to know Christ? By the way, if, if it isn't, 
you might have met the wrong Jesus. He changes you. You are different when you encounter him. And we see this woman, man, called to live a different life. Forgiveness and transformation, right? Like grace and truth are not mutually exclusive, man. They go together. And we see that reality in the life of this woman. Second Corinthians 5.17 says it like this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. First John 3, 1 through 2 says it like this. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The we- reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. Different. We're his children. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. The beauty of grace was that this woman's life was changed forever and she was free to live this new life in Christ. That is a picture of grace if I know one, right? That we now, man, people who knew us before coming to Christ, right? They know us now that we're in Christ and we're growing in him, right? It's, It's a picture of what God can do. His grace in our life. And we see it displayed in the life of this woman. The sound of grace. Sound of grace. Just a couple of takeaways for application. Man, what does this mean for us in the room? How do we apply this? And then we'll be done this morning. Hey, the first takeaway for application is this. Hey, in light of God's grace, choose to rest in it. Rest in the grace of God, man. Our life doesn't have to be a performance to earn God's goodness or his love. Man, he already forever has loved us, man. And he demonstrated that love by pouring out his grace on us. And so we can rest in that. Hey, our past has been forever forgiven. And so we can walk, man, in this new life. Man, so choose to rest. And I think a lot of us, man, who are saved in here. Man, we struggle with that reality. We think that we th- this Christian life has got to be a performance. It's not. Man, it's about loving him and loving others. And how we do that is by choosing to rest, man, in the grace that's been given. Romans 8, 1. Hey, there is now, therefore, no condemnation, man, for those who are in Christ, man. His blood can make even the foulest clean. You may have a horrible past, but if you're in Christ, man, there's no condemnation. Hallelujah. So choose to rest in that truth today. Secondly, right, second takeaway for application is this, man. Hey, we've got to choose to rejoice in the grace of God. I think some of us struggle, man, hey, with this, with walking in the reality of showing grace to others, demonstrating grace, walking in grace, because, man, hey, we struggle to worship God for his grace and what he showed us. We don't, I don't know exactly what happened to the woman after this interaction. We don't know based on the scripture here. But I would venture to guess she went away hooping and hollering, shouting in Jesus' name for the grace that was shown to her. And bless God, every now and again, man, we ought to praise him for what he has done, man, for the grace that he's poured out to us. Hey, we deserved hell. We deserve to be forever separated from God in a place called hell, but his grace... He showed us, man, hey, we are now, man, destined to be with him forever in glory. 
and walk in him. In Psalm 32, 1, again, just a reminder, blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven. Man, what a blessing it is to be forgiven. And then thirdly and lastly, right, how do we respond, man? Take away for application. Respond by showing his grace to others. Respond by showing his grace to others. Hey, when we choose graciousness, right, choose to be folks, man, that speak the truth and love to others. Choose to be folks, man, that, hey, that exhibit grace in our relationships. We, we look like Jesus. Look like Jesus. Hey, be careful not to look more like the religious nut who knew all about the word, knew all about the truths, yet didn't give a lick or care a lick about the people that, he, that they were sharing those truths with. And let's choose to be people, man, that exhibit grace, man. Show grace because we've been shown it. Oh, but Pastor Irv, man, hey, I, hey, folks need to know the truth. Yeah, they do. But you can show it in love. Paul says it like this, Colossians 4. Hey, man, let your speech be seasoned with salt. They can know the truth in love. Man, hey, there, there's a way that you can be upfront and honest with folks. Right in a way that's loving and gracious. Based on, you know, your countenance, how you approach the situation, your relationship with that person. And choose to respond by showing grace to others. And how do we do that, man? We remember the grace that's been shown us. Colossians 3, 12 through 13 says this. Put on then as God's chosen ones. Talking about the new life, man. Holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bearing with one another. And if... One has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. The sound of grace. The sound of grace. I'll end with uh, this. Many of you may be familiar with the story um, of a lady by the name of uh, Carla Faye Tucker. Uh, Carla Faye Tucker, her and um, her boyfriend in the summer of 1983, High on drugs, strung out on drugs. They broke into a house to to case it for a robbery. They ran into a couple of folks that were there in the house and in a fit of rage, brutally murdered both of them. Brutally murdered them. And they were sentenced to the death penalty. Happened in Texas. Sentenced to the death penalty. The boyfriend, you know, Lived in the prison, died a couple of years later. But Carla Fay, her story was a little different. Three months into her time there in the prison, awaiting right a date for the death penalty. Puppet ministry. I remember puppet ministry from the church. came, shared the gospel, and said that Carla Fay, she stole a Bible, even though they were giving them out for free, you know stole a Bible and read the gospel message and was radically saved in that jail cell. Now, many folks thought, oh, it's just one of those, hey, jailhouse conversions, prison conversions, right? Not really real. Well, over the span of the next 10 to 12 years, man, her life was radically different. Engaged in ministry in the prisons, sharing the gospel with folks, man, many came to faith there in that prison. 
as a result of her witness because of her changed life. 1997, she was given a date for uh, lethal to take the lethal injection. And fast forward a couple of weeks before she was sentenced to death. She was actually on uh, Larry King Live. And Larry King, right, had an interview and was just trying to get to the bottom of things as to why, right, uh, uh, she had become such a phenomenon for Jesus, where this joy came from. So he's asking all these questions, and she can't help but to brag on, on Jesus on national TV. National TV. And he asked her, committed this heinous crime. Man, how, how are you so happy now? You're getting ready to die. How are you so happy? And she said, hey, essentially because of the grace I've been shown. Man. It's the joy of the Lord. Can't help but to be excited. And a couple of weeks later, she ended up losing her life. Hey, listen. Carla Faye Tucker, man, she heard the sound of grace in that jail cell in 1983 and responded to it. And her life was radically different. Even though she was locked up expecting death, Brother Ben, hey, she was freer than most folks that were out of jail because she met the Lord. And her life was different. And hey, in the same way, those of us in here who know Jesus, man, we experience that same grace. That has changed us. And so the call is to respond and show in that grace to others. Hey, those of you in here who don't know, Jesus have never experienced this grace. Hey, that grace is for you. Grace for you. Doesn't matter how far gone you feel. Hey, doesn't matter if you feel like you've done a lot of horrible stuff, man. Hey, doesn't matter if you didn't grow up in church. Hey, that grace is for you. All you got to do is call on him. Call on him.